Welcome back to the Work Bold Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions of space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and we're kicking off season two with Samantha McClary, editor of real estate media company, EG. In this episode, Sam shares some of the chatter she's hearing in commercial real estate. We discuss whether people are really productive working remotely, what the new normal looks like when we come out of lockdown, how companies are rethinking their office strategy, the role of space as a service, and of course, how this affects commercial landlords. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode, hit me up on social media at Caleb underscore Parker or email podcast at workbold.co. Without further ado, let's chat with Sam. Welcome back to the Work Bold podcast. I'm Caleb Parker, and today I'm chatting with Samantha McClary, editor for EG, formerly known as the States Gazette, and co-founder of Rewire, as well as co-host of Tech Talk Radio, which is Estates Gazette's podcast series where it brings technology and property together. Did I get that right, Sam? You did get that right. Perfect. Okay, Excellent. Sam is usually the one interviewing people in commercial real estate, so I thought it would be fun to do a role reversal today on this episode and interview her. So thanks for agreeing to come on to the show, Sam. Pleasure. Fun for you, maybe really worrying for me. Everyone will see that I'm a, I'm a big faker. Oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not, obviously. Um, before we dive into my questions, though, I think the work you're doing over at Rewire is important. And so I wanted to get, ask you to share this initiative with our listeners. Thank you. It's really uh, kind of you. Um, Rewire is a, such a wonderful project that we set up, gosh, it must be, I'm going to say four years ago now, maybe even more, um, that came about because I got a little bit uh, annoyed. And, and those people that know me will know that that happens from time to time. And I can't stop myself for going off on a on a rant. So I was getting a little bit annoyed that there were no real places for us to enable women to do what they're really good at in real estate, um, which is their jobs. And the, there was a there was a bit more of a focus around, you know, isn't it so tough to be a, a woman in real estate? And I thought, mm, I'm not sure that's the right way to be looking at it. And I think it, it's about celebrating and recognizing and empowering those those women in, in real estate, which is where the the rewire name came came from. And over over recent months, we were, we're trying to expand that out to be more about rewiring the entire um, real estate industry. So not just in terms of gender diversity, but in all all um, all shapes of diversity, whether that's um, ethnicity, whether it's your physical or mental capa- capabilities, whether it's te- I think technology plays a big big role in that because it's about you know, so just creating a, an industry that is able to be inclusive, diverse, look to different sectors and different people and different mindsets to to do its job really, really well. And and one of the sort of more recent programs to come out of that is our Future Female Leaders program, which I absolutely adore because I get to meet these phenomenal individuals who... Um, uh, are able to put into words um, such great em- emotion and really inspire um, not just other women uh, and, and young people in that are looking to this sector, but they certainly inspire me. And I know from 
and people that I've, I've spoken to, they, they inspire everyone around them. So I'm really excited about the second series of that, which we, we started just before everything went a bit crazy, but we're um, continuing with um, virtually now. And, and while our sort of um, grand finale, where we bring these women together to give our sort of TED Talk style um, presentations is, has had to be shifted, um, it, it will happen and um, it, it's going to be awesome. Well, everything's having to be shifted right now. And I think <laughs> I think it's awesome what you're doing. And um, the word inclusivity, I think, is important to talk about uh, in our industry. There's historically there's been some headlines that we won't talk about in detail mm-hmm. now, where there there was some some gender, um, well, not so much inclusive <laughs> yeah. Uh, exclusion. Ex, yeah, ex, ex, <laughs> exclusion. Yes, uh, but um, so I think it's great that you're doing this initiative. And where can people find more about that? So they can um, if they come to egi.co.uk forward slash news they can find out about that or if they go to egi.co.uk forward slash rewire they can see everything that we're we're doing there and you know google um future female leaders and you'll see a lot of the content that that we've that we've um, produced around that as well oh so good brilliant amazing other search engines are available but nobody uses them (laughs) there's a disclaimer right before you (laughs) yahoo might be calling you up in a little while (laughs) So obviously we're we're both in this um, in, in this crazy time. Uh, you're in Sussex, and I'm in in my flat in London, and we're recording this podcast remotely. So if anybody uh, hears the kind of dip in dip out, sometimes the the Wi-Fi is is, is a little bit tricky. But but I've I've been doing a couple of these, and the technology holds up pretty well. How are you finding it? Yeah, not not too bad actually. We've done quite a lot of of these podcasts we've done some live stream um sort of video conferences which are massively tiring if you're the host all day on on those and they've been okay you know a little bit of thinking issues but um we haven't had too many too many dropouts so yeah it's uh, it's unfortunate you can't do the oh i'm on the train i can't hear you um <laughs> excuse to hang up on people anymore um, and i you can't even blame either <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, so I can't blame the blame the Wi-Fi because it's it's not yet dropping out. So Sam, just out of curiosity, how has your productivity been affected during this lockdown period that we're in? Uh, I'm not sure that it has. I think um, weirdly, um, I might be being more productive, or I think I'm being more productive. There's probably a a, a difference, but I I feel like I'm sat at my computer more doing stuff. And if you look at the volume of of content that that we as EG are producing, that has definitely gone up. Um, so I, f- I feel like my productivity has gone up, but I also think that that has come at a bit of a cost. In that there are, there were days this week, for example, where um, I realised I just hadn't hadn't stopped staring at my screen for pretty much 12, 12 hours, which is, is not healthy. And, uh, you know, me, Caleb, I, I like to be outside and get some exercise and, and that sort of stuff. So it was, I think that there's definitely a cost, but I do feel like I'm, I'm delivering more, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's important. And obviously there's lots of podcasts and content out there around how to be productive working from home and or working remotely. But I think it's important to schedule those breaks and schedule those times where you can go outside and get some sunshine, the vitamin D, take the break away from work and sort of restart your battery again. I, for me, it's around 
the my, I have a balcony, um, and so I'm staring at central London all day. But the sun hits my balcony about 3:15, and so I'll go out, and that that's my break time. You know, I'll work through lunch, but I'll go out, listen to a podcast, or do some reading around that time. I think after we come out of lockdown, I'm going to come back with a tan. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this image of you going out to your balcony and sort of standing arms spread and just like taking the sun in. Well, at, at, at first, yes. Yeah, well, this week has been weird. The sun came back out today, but um, yeah, not not so much sun this week. But man, I, I have to say, though, the whole month we were in lockdown, I was debating whether it was good that we had all this amazing weather because how sucky would it be if we had crap weather the whole time, staring outside at the crap weather and having to be stuck, not going anywhere. But then at the same time, you've got the sun and it's like, I really want to go going out, but I can't. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, you have to take a certain perspective on it. But um, yep. going back to the productivity uh, topic, prior to this lockdown, I think loads of people question whether People could be product, productive working remotely. There's a lot of companies that didn't enable flexible working for people and other companies who embraced it. But we're all under this global remote work experiment now. So it's fascinating that you guys have found, and obviously you're, you're a techie media company, you found that your productivity has gone up, whereas you know maybe some other companies or some other people might, might not. How is, it, how is it affecting your team? Are they feeling the same way as you? Or does it, is it vary? Are you finding it's varying based on each person's circumstances? Yeah, I think, do you know what? I think it, it's quite linked to how you're doing emotionally as well in a week. I, I definitely see peaks and peaks and troughs in my, in my team when they are having a good week and, um, and managing um, that to deal with, you know, the, the effects of, of lockdown and, you know, and I'd put myself in that bracket. I have, I have weeks where I just think, Oh, I don't. I'm not really sure what I'm doing, and definitely productivity um, slips. But you know, we're we're really lucky um, as part of um, Relex, sort of our big big parent company, that we have always had the the equipment and the ability to to work flexibly. And we, you know, we're a pretty um, forward thinking um, business, so in the the team has been enabled to to work flexibly. Um, so they're doing they're doing all right um we that we do have some um some it's just started hammering it down with rain here sorry it's put oh. it put me off um <laughs> hell actually wow um yeah they're, they're they're not doing too too bad in terms of productivity i think we've all this week had a little bit of a realization that actually if we want to be creative uh, we need to be with each other. There's, it, it's a lot more difficult to come up with ideas and and you know sort of bounce angles off each other over a a um, sort of t- enforced call. Whereas if you're if you're sat together, that comes really really naturally. So the work can get done, but does it have that um, the level of creativity that it might have had if we're together? I, I'm not sure. That's a very good point. I think a lot of a lot of times in this conversation around is the office dead? Is remote working going to take over? This sort of thing, it's become sort of a binary conversation, and and really, I think the answer lies in both. And yeah. fortunately, your company has been forward thinking and enabled flexible working. But I think what what I've 
see in myself and in, in our team and, and what I've seen in conversations with others is that just like you said, you need to sort of have that face-to-face to have the creativity um, and the collaboration with other people in a face-to-face environment. Whereas when you need to go sort of dive into your work and get productive, that really can be done anywhere. If you're like me, you're holding lots of video calls on Zoom, Skype, or Teams these days. I recently discovered the feature that let me choose a background instead of showing everyone the inside of my London flat. I wanted a cool background, so I'm using scenes from our bold spaces. Then I thought, why don't we make our backgrounds available for our clients and listeners so they can work bold too? Firstly, of course. Just go to workbold.co slash podcast and grab the ones you like. And if you're a competitor like me, we're giving away a free bold hoodie. All you have to do is share a screenshot of your meeting with the bold background on Twitter and use hashtag workbold. We'll send the person with the most likes in the next two weeks a bold hoodie. Here's to making your meetings cool, like you. Yeah, I think there's also with them um, with the chatter around um, how you know how well people are working from home at the moment. I think we're we're missing something as well in that there's a real um, motivator to work productively at home at the moment because most people will be thinking, "Oh, I better make sure that I'm doing a good job just in case." you know, because people are looking at costs and that sort of thing. If we're going into the the worst recession since the Great Depression, then, you you know, you're really motivated to to work really hard and, and show your, your values. So, you know, is the productivity that we're seeing working from home real? It's mm, a fantastic question. I haven't thought of it that way. It only just popped into my head, <laughs> which is what happens sometimes. And then I go on a rant. <laughs> It's fascinating. Well, I, I think I'd like to have that conversation a little bit more with, with more people because and, and anyone listening, I think, should should be having that conversation amongst their management team and, and with their team. Hmm. And I guess it, then it's about, OK, well, how do we capture that motivation and make sure that people, all, you know, always want to show Look, look how brilliant I, I am. Look at the work that I can do. Look how much you can trust me to say so i got to get on with it I want to be delivering this for a business I mean I guess that's the that's the ultimate goal isn't it if you as a as a manager as a as a CEO if you have your staff motivated that they absolutely want to show you that they are valuable then then you've got the perfect work workforce well I'm not sure we'll ever get to a perfect workforce (laughs) but um it's it's certainly motivating your team is is usually the top of everybody's list um, as a senior leader. And there's been loads of books written on how to do that and all kind of classes. But um, I think right now with, so it's, it's interesting you, you bring that up. And I'm just wondering that, you know, Emily, Emily Wright, she just reported recently that CBRE projects offices could be half empty for up to a year after lockdown. But just thinking about this conversation around motivation and, being productive, working from home, being real. Do you think, do you think people are going to want to rush to back to the office and stop working from home, or, or are they going to be happy to stay home and work, and maybe even hesitant to go back in because of COVID and everything? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a it's a really big question, isn't it? And I think it's it's not as simple as do we want to go back to the office? Because I'd love to go back to the office, 
but do I want to get on public transport to go back to the office? Do I want to be um, squeezed in a in a tube with lots of people to go back to the office? And uh, w- where does my concern lie? I suppose if I'm if I'm worried about sort of public health and and being around lots of lots of people on the way to get to work, I don't want to go to the to the office to work. I'd rather stay at home. So I think it, it it it's sort of bigger than what does the office look like. It's it's around my journey to and from work, which I I think then takes the question around what does what do, what do offices look like when we get back to what does the built environment look like? What does um you know public space look like when when we go back to to normal or the or the new normal what does the built environment look like but maybe thinking about it more in terms of if you're an occupier or you know what we like to call customers if you're if you're a customer um, of real estate what does your strategy look like for your entire team because you don't want to take public transportation back but maybe you do maybe you're not able to work in your home environment productively so you need to get out whether you have children or whatever it might be. Do you think that, are you seeing any chatter or conversation uh, uh, with corporate occupiers enabling people to work closer to home outside of their home? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of chatter, isn't there? They're going on with um, the corporates about how how they enable people to to work and whether it's you know that we have smaller smaller HQs and satellite offices that people can can go into if if they can't work from from home there was an interesting piece in in the FT today looking at a lot of corporates looking at their sort of um the word I'm looking for their not overflow space but their contingency mm. um space and thinking well actually we don't need that now because that was for an emergency and actually people's homes can be for an emergency now so how they how they're thinking about that so i think I think it's it's still early days, isn't it? And um, I was having this conversation with Emily, actually, that um, just to play devil's advocate with her, which I always enjoy doing. That you always like doing that. <laughs> it's my alpha role. Um, <laughs> and the, actually, the, you know, corporates and we might all be talking about, oh, this is going to completely change the way that we occupy offices, et cetera, et cetera, going forward. But actually... We, you know, we forget pretty quickly. And if if a job needs doing and it is just going to get done, how 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 realistic is it that we're going to make sweeping changes? And and how easy is it for for businesses to make those sweeping changes? You know, if it there are there are a lot of occupiers with very long leases that they don't have a break coming up any anytime soon, and can they afford to pay their way out of it? Yeah. So I think that you know it's a it's a really complex um, discussion. I think it's re- and it's really easy now to say, oh, we could do this and we could do this, and people are thinking about that, and it you know it makes for a great story and some great PR for a, a, a company to say we're thinking about our people. Mm. But uh, and you know I would love it if we do fundamentally change the way that that businesses think and they they you know they do put humans first but the cynical pessimistic journalist in me wonders are we really going to see that this is why i like talking to you sam <laughs> <laughs> um i think i think in in, commer- in real estate in commercial real estate specifically we we do a good job of talking to get some pr and i think currently right now there's a lot of reaction 
to what's going on and, and people are talking about decisions that should be made based on reaction. And I think I think it's too early to tell. I think that we've got, you know, 18 months to go until probably, I'm just guessing, probably until we have a proper vaccine. But when we get to that point, are we gonna is coronavirus gonna be behind us and like polio is behind us? And are we we as humans we we t- tend to forget and get back to business. And I'm just wondering if maybe in 18 months, will we just all go back to, to doing business again, the normal way, not the normal way, not, not a new normal way, but like back to the typical way of doing business and all this change we're talking about. Um, some of it, it's good that we're looking at changes, but some of it is reactionary to get headlines. But does it make sense? Should Because I saw, I saw a headline the other day that said the, the open office is dead, co-working is dead. And but what are people going to spend a lot of capex into reconfiguring offices to have private offices again and cubicles, and then we're going to go back to the eighties? Um, businesses aren't going to have a lot of capex to to do that. You know, it's a, um, everyone has had to tighten their belt. And there's very few businesses that are are making a lot of money at the moment. So yeah, what capex? <laughs> I suppose is 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 the question. Yeah, I just think that I, I, I caution people to I mean, absolutely we need to be looking at everything and figuring out ways to improve. And like you said, let's put humans first. Let's put people first. But I think a lot of the headlines right now are just a, a bit of bullshit, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And this, you know, this is only one crisis. There are a lot more crises going on in in the world and probably some some harder hitting, longer crises, you know, that if if we can learn something from this that we can apply to the climate change crisis, you know, that's where we should be making differences mm. with, with our buildings, with our built-in environment, with the way that we operate. And, you know, that is that is something that it can't be eradicated by a vaccine. So people need to be, I think there needs more long-term thinking, not, the, not a knee-jerk, oh, we'll, you know, we'll operate like this because of um, the impact of coronavirus. What reminds me of a recent podcast you did, or actually Emily did with uh, with Neil Usher, um, and I think some of some of what Neil was saying also got brought into uh, an article as well. But he was talking about a reset as companies consider their strategy for returning to work, and I'm just wondering, is that the right is, is that the right frame wording to use? Reset. I mean, are are companies oh, able no. to now oh. go ahead? Go ahead, jump in. Oh. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I lost you. Uh, there we were talking about how the internet isn't going down, and then it went down. <laughs> That's all right. Well, um, so I lost you. What you were just saying um, about uh, Neil Usher in a in the podcast and in an article. Yeah, in 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 those in in that article in that podcast and and then into the article, he was talking about a reset as companies consider a strategy oh, for returning to work. About the article. Say again. I lost you again at the exact same point. It doesn't like you talking about the article. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna guess. And uh, um, was he talking about um, reset strategies? Yeah, yeah, reset. The keyword, and uh, and I'm, I'm actually thinking we don't edit this part out because I just think it's, <laughs> I think it's fantastic <laughs> um, to talk about this. Hey, it's the new internet. normal. <laughs> yeah, the new normal, exactly. But yeah, the the keyword reset, reset is companies consider their strategy for returning to work. Do you think that that term reset is appropriate? Mm, God, that's a, that's a really good question. Because um, I'm sort of picking up on what you were saying about climate change and making 
not just knee jerk, but a reset in our overall yeah. thinking. Yeah, it's definitely a re-examination, isn't it? And a, a resetting. And this is the, this is a, it feels really crass to talk about this being a, a brilliant opportunity to do, do something, but it is a fantastic opportunity for us all to just slow down a second and look at how, how we have operated, how we could operate and how we should operate and just take a moment to do some proper investigation, to talk to a lot of, lot of people and, and figure out a way that is that is right. We had we had a conversation last week. I was talking with um, Louise Ellison, who's um, group head of um, sustainability at, at Hammerson, and she was talking about the the fact that you know governments only last for five years or so, or so. You know, there's always a churn with political parties and who's in power, whereas real estate. It, it, you know, its life is so much longer than that. It outlives every political party. So it has a, not just an opportunity, but a responsibility to look at the long term and how it can um, behave, what it can produce and, and, and the the kind of world, I suppose, that it, that it can create. So I think, I think, yeah, reset, re-examine, slow down and think about the future that we absolutely can make is 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 what we should be doing right now. Absolutely. And I, I think companies that are the customers of real estate, if they're if they're looking at their reset and, and how they're going to approach their real estate strategy. And if we go back to what we were saying earlier about people being able to work from home and shrinking footprints as, as in the in the HQ, what is this going to mean for for landlords? Yeah, I think it means landlords have to be more flexible. Um, they have to be more innovative. They have to be better at communicating and listening to um, their customers, to um, Joe or Josephine, uh, uh, public. They have to. They have to. You know, we have to look at this as a as a as a whole as a whole thing as a virtuous circle that there is no landlord tenant lender for example that they are they all interact and they've all got to work together and if a occupier a customer is thinking about their real estate strategy differently then they need to be communicating with landlords about well you know here's how, how do we help each other and if landlords are um, looking at their real estate and thinking oh, you know well um, the world has changed and we need to be doing different different things then you know they need to be talking to their lenders about what that looks like and that and to their tenants their customers about what they could what they can offer offer back so I think it's it's about flexibility and an understanding yeah i think that's brilliant that conversation i think has legs and it can be carried on into further discussion um outside of this podcast and hopefully in in your future events and and um articles but also around the world as people have this discussion in real estate um i, I want to dive in if 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 i can to maybe some specifics because i know eg covers a lot of the prop tech companies that are um, you know, providing solutions that can help commercial real estate serve their customers better, mm -hmm. um, or, or you know, particularly in this crisis that we're in, can help keep customers safe when people come out of lockdown. Do you is it, do any come to mind, or can you talk about any prop tech companies that uh, you think are making an impact? 
Gosh, I don't. It's probably not really the. Um, I don't want to, you know, give an endorsement. I've got to be objective. Um, <laughs> um, but I think, you know, I think you can see. Um, it, it's not for me to say who's great and who isn't. But I think, you know, this is the time when it's very easy to see who is doing something worthwhile, who is providing a, a real service, and and who isn't. I think, you know, we're so connected. Um, at the moment, um, everything is, all, you know, there's quite a lot of visibility around what businesses are doing. So I think um, everyone knows who is who is providing and, and who isn't. Well, that was very clear, Sam. Thank you for, for sharing that. <laughs> um, so you know who you hey, are. Look, it's been a long week. So my brain is a little bit addled, but... Uh, Fair enough. I, I, I won't pressure you on that, <laughs> but I will say you should probably run for office. <laughs> um, okay, well. Hey, I can't be worse than at least one world leader, right? Well, well everybody knows who that world leader is. <laughs> so uh, we won't name that person either. Um, moving on to the next question. And I think I think this is um, obviously my, our podcast, the Workable Podcast focuses on spaces of service. And, you know, so I'm going to dive into that a little bit because I'm, I'm very interested in your views on this uh, or, or some of the chatter you're hearing. Before this pandemic, this crisis that we're in now, the movement towards spaces of service, you know, which obviously includes co-working, flex space, serviced offices, et cetera, um, in big cities around the world was approaching and I'm just going to average it out, was approaching about 10% of the overall office stock. And it varies a little bit from here to there. But um, considering we're all undergoing this, this remote work experience right now, and then there's the latest headlines, and maybe these were knee-jerk, but some of the latest headlines, like Barclays CEO says, putting 7,000 people in a building may not be, may be a thing of the past. RxR nicks their deal with the big deal at, in New York City, 75 Rockefeller with Airbnb. They were going to put some resi, spaces of service um, in, in stacked into their asset. Um, what talk are you hearing from asset owners or asset managers on the spaces of service topic now? I think it's it's really interesting. And there are, there are sort of two schools of thought, I suppose, um, which is that we, you know, that we might see that continuation of people leaning towards flex space um, for their um, staff. But also there's, you know, just because um, you're in a smaller space in a serviced office, for example, doesn't mean there aren't lots of people still in, in that, that building. So we might also see people pulling away from flex space and actually just wanting smaller standalone satellite offices as we, as we talked about a little bit earlier in this in this conversation and i think you know outside of the knee jerk response to to covid there's um a question around sustainability as well and whether um if businesses are thinking much more about that and about the road to net zero or um uh, being uh, carbon negative, then, you know, the kind of space that they look to might be different. And I don't know if that is flex space. Um, it might be um, much smaller individual spaces rather than uh, an, op an open, flexible, flexible office. Mm. 
And so just to just to be clear on that, do you mean sort of the three, five thousand square foot space self-contained or or do you mean a serviced office type operation, but in private offices? I think I think both. So I think if a if you can get a individual office on a on a flexible lease, I, I could see that being something that companies would want but if if that still that small space is still tied to a 15 20 year lease then you know that is, we we all know that that isn't the future um so then i could see more self-contained small offices within um larger larger buildings but i think um i think all it's really difficult because i think any you know there's been a lot of chat this week hasn't there about lifts mm-hmm. and um, big buildings and any building that has a, a lift in at the moment people are a bit worried about because you might be able to create a office where people can be socially distant and and feel comfortable but what happens when it comes to the office or the other the lift or the or the stairwell so that pushes me more more towards thinking well maybe people want smaller satellite space yeah yeah it's a good point I think it's, it's it reminds me of uh, of like a video game where you're having to you know dodge all the enemies until you get to the next level and then you've got more enemies and it, so as as people are commuting in they're dodging on the public transportation the 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 germs yeah uh, then they get to the off the building and then the building has a lift they have to go through so they're dodging dodging the germs again and then they get to the office and they're sitting next to more germs and um, maybe I've got a that's a negative way to say this but. Um, but I guess I go back to, well, right now, over the next 18 months-ish, while we're dealing with this, maybe that uh, those are the challenges that we're going to have to go through. But long term, when we come out the backside of this, are we going to be in a new normal of six-feet offices that has been proposed or uh, more partitionings and privacy? Or people are going to be comfortable being close to people again? Uh, to be determined, I suppose. Yeah, my I think it'll be the latter. To be honest, I think we, um, you know, once once um, it's not in the news the whole whole time, we we forget so so quickly. Yeah, I think. Yeah, my my vote is my vote. Um, <laughs> my money would be on on the the third of those three options. Okay. All right. Uh, well, you know, uh, two years ago when I was on your podcast, you you made me. Um, make some bets, and I think I shied away from it a little bit. <laughs> Good for you. I'm glad you put something out there. I have one more question in in before we get to our quick fire round, which I didn't tell you about. Uh, which you, I know you're going to ace, but um, the the last question that I have, just sort of bringing it back to space as a service. You know, when we do get back to normal, or if there is a new normal, do you expect to see the money in commercial real estate? bypassing traditional asset managers and doing deals directly with with space as a service operators. Um, I, I suppose it depends on where we end up with the demand, but assuming the demand for space as a service, obviously I believe that space as a service demand is going to grow, but um, assuming it does, there was um, we did a podcast last season with Dror Poleg and he had wrote a LinkedIn article t- talking about the, the, the way to finance the future of commercial real estate. And he's written a lot in his book about it. Isn't Drawer one of your um, guest contributors? He is, yeah. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Um, so I guess the question: Do you do you think the the 
the money is going to flow slightly differently or do you, do you think it's going to stay the same? I think the money will flow to the best operators. I think if you are delivering a service that that works, that shows real real value, um, real return on investment, then the money will flow to it. I think um, we will see out of this a lot, a lot more focused investment, and uh, you know, out of every crisis, I think you you see who who you want to deal with in the future. And I think if there are operators out there who are being flexible, we talked about that that word earlier, and responsive and are looking to the future long long term, then I think the the money will flow flow to them. I think there will be a real want and focus on doing really good business. Well, it's interesting. The um, well, I, I think you're right, 100. percent And I think it's it's going to be determined on whether the right operator is the traditional asset manager that the asset owners would bring in or whether they, they will bypass those um, asset managers to partner directly with the spaces and service operator, whether it be for the whole asset, the whole building or a portion of it. There is, um, with all the negative talk about WeWork in, the rec- in recent times, there was a, a bit of some positive news that came out recently where WeWork's property arm raised a I don't know, nearly 800 million, 745 million dollars, and they partnered with Roan Group, which is a private equity firm, to go out and buy assets. And I suppose I'm assuming that WeWork is going to put their user experience, customer experience, on top of those assets. And I'm guessing there's going to be a mix of conventional leases in it. But I'm, I, I think, I believe that there's going to be more of that. Um, mm. And it'll just be interesting to see how property valuations and the methodologies around those evolve. Yeah, well, I think it'd be interesting to see how property valuations will stop <laughs> know, right now. Yeah, evolve, yeah, after after this. So, um, yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. Of course. Well, I like to be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to be determined there as well. Um, all right. So these are the these are the quick fire round, and and basically what it is is and the listeners who've listened to season one they they know how this works, um, and. Uh, and I'm sure I'm sure you've heard a few of them yourself, but I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions, really short answers, um, but just top of mind. So the first question, and you started alluding to this earlier at the beginning when you were talking about rewire. But who inspires you in commercial real estate? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, there are uh, lots of people actually. Um, we can name names in this round, by the way. Yeah, I think. I am a big fan, and I've, I've said it in a um, leader before. I'm a big um, Sadie Morgan fan. Um, Sadie be- Morgan. Yeah, who is just, one, she's the most wonderful woman to, to be around because she has some awesome stories. Uh, and she's just one of those women um, who, you know, gets get shit done, sees something, thinks uh, I need to need to figure out a way to, do that better or fix that problem and she she goes for it so uh, I have a lot of time um, for for her and I think you know there Sa- were, sorry Sadie's an uh, designer an architect architect right? yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but generally just kick ass um, uh, and I get to I get to ride a bike with her um, which is always fun and you know it's it's how I uh, um, meet a lot of people in, in this industry and, and actually where 
I gain a lot of lot of respect for for people um, because in in most of those industry rides that I do, there's a real mix of hierarchy, and you can you can tell you see the best in a person when they're at their their worst, their lowest point when they're tired and you know could be a bit um, crotchety, but you you see something really special in in people so everyone who's ever been on a club peloton ride i have a lot of respect for that hasn't acted i love that are are you are you riding right now maybe not in a group but yeah not not right now on this podcast i'd be a bit heavy (laughs) heavy breathing i'm sure but uh, (laughs) yeah no we have um i'm very very lucky in that we have um a little uh, bike room with some turbo trainers so I, i get on on Zwift as as much as I can, so a bit of indoor riding. But yeah, being out here in in Sussex, we have some nice quiet roads to head out on for a little bit. So um, I have a few bikes uh, and uh, take different ones out on on different days. So yeah, getting to do do a little bit of of the old cycling. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you talked about that. That's just, uh, it's so important for people to have exercise. But um, it it going back to your your point about seeing people at their worst and and getting a feel of their character that's so true and uh anytime you can get into i think some sort of sport environment um whether it be riding or you know any sort of sport i think that is an opportunity to to bring out the best and sometimes the worst in people yeah one of the um sorry this isn't a short answer now is it but i know it's all right though <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that i enjoy most in my role is that every year I get to um, do these amazing club peloton rides and I think it was seven years ago now I might have got that wrong um, but we launched um, the Padel ride which is a um, women in real estate bike ride that now pretty much all of the boys um, think it's really unfair that we just have a ride for for the girls but you know <laughs> tough shit uh, but we, we we go to wonderful places and ride together. And we have on that ride um, every year someone who has only just bought a bike and is only just getting in, into it. And the, the most wonderful thing for for me is that, you know, as a bit of a, a seasoned rider is seeing, is riding alongside that person who, when we started out worried, mm, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it. So, you know, there are hills, how will I get up the hills? By the end of the event, which is usually three days, 100 miles-ish a day, they've absolutely smashed it and they've achieved. And it's the most humbling and wonderful experience and made even more wonderful by the fact that every other person on that ride is entirely supportive of everyone around them. It, it's it's the side of the real estate industry that you that you really want to see. And I, I see it on on the mixed rides too. It's not just a female thing, but you you really see it on on the the women's ride. Oh, I love that. That's so good. I, I love hearing stories like this. It's what we need in these times, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We well more more ways for us to connect. And are you doing that then? Um I, I know I'm keep going with this topic here, but are you are you connected through the the bike that you have, um, that you ride within your home, um, to other people or, or is yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. No, the, you know, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen, did it? So, um, there's quite a lot of connection through, through that. We have WhatsApp groups and, um, the Padel WhatsApp group is, um, I think we're at 
60 odd women in in there now who um that's quite it's quite a full-on chat in there um but yeah everyone connects we see each other when you if you're friends with them on Zwift you can see when people are, are riding so you give them a ride on and awesome. it, yeah it's all good well uh continuing on with the topic of being inspired the next question and and this is an either or or both um but what what podcast do you listen to this can be industry or not uh, and and or or both what books do you read oh okay um so podcast um uh, well every eg podcast obviously the work bold clearly. podcast <laughs> clearly um, but um, most recently I discovered the Dolly cast. I don't know if you've come across that. I'm a big Dolly Parton fan. And um, she has a podcast. Well, it's a podcast about her. And it's a guy whose dad treated Dolly Parton and got to know her. So he um, just asked for an interview. So and um, and she gave him gave him one. And it's a really it's a really fascinating um, podcast into um, dollitics, so Dolly's politics. Oh wow! Uh, and you know, sort of stories throughout her her songs. Uh, it's it's really interesting, and um, she is a pretty smart cookie. Particular the dollitics one is my is my favourite because um, it goes into how she will, she just won't take a stand politically because she knows so much about her audience that they are you know, sort of 50% Republican, 50% Democrat. Smart, so smart she, woman. Yeah, yeah. So she will, and how will she, if she feels like she's being put in a place where she has to make a political statement, she will always do a boob joke just to deflect. Interesting. <laughs> um, which, and, and they can deflect. We, we've all seen that. So is this, is, this, um, is this podcast more serious or is it a lot of humor entwined into it? It's, um, it's, it's, there's humor in it, but it's, it has a serious message for I sure. See. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Check it out. All right. So Dolly Cast. Is it Dolly, is Dolly, Dolly Parton's America? Is this the one? I'm Googling Dolly, it that's now. That's it. Yeah, Dolly Parton's America. Sorry, you got All the right. right title. There we go. It's good. Good. And, and what do you read? Books. Um, so I was reading, um, what's it called? Uh, it's really um, The Unimaginable Earth. I was reading that, but then this happened and it was way too depressing. So I stopped reading that and started reading a book called Circe, which is um, some Greek mythology made into a bit of a um, sort of trash novel. So that was lots of fun. And now I'm reading The Monkey Wrench Gang, which is very good, which is about a bunch of environmentalists who are going around America trying to blow up dams. Oh, well... I was going to ask if you would recommend people that are looking into sustainability and commercial real estate should read that, but maybe not. <laughs> well, well, they're doing it for a, a good a good purpose, but a, you know, in a slightly violent way. But it, it's um, the characters in it are fantastic. Okay, and I'm I'm googling that too, and it looks like it's a fiction book, but it's got some probably got some good lessons behind it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I have one final question for you. And this is post-lockdown when travel restrictions are lifted and we feel comfortable traveling. Where do you want to go to first for holiday? Well, um, the week we went into lockdown, I was meant to be going out to Grenada to see. Um, I'm very lucky my dad has a, a little 
boat out there. So I was going to see him for a couple of weeks. I didn't get to do that. Um, but no point going there because it'd be hurricane season. Mm. Um, so I've been... So my, the trash TV that I watch at the moment to unwind is a program called Yukon Vet uh, on, on Disney+. Plus. We got that for Mandalorian. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and so I'm a bit obsessed with the Yukon at the moment. So I quite like to go there because I love mountains and not being near lots of people. Um, okay, so Canada. Can, yeah, I love Canada. I spent a very happy year of my life there um or but if it's close to home um at snowden love snowden we've got a little camper van and we go up yeah. there quite a lot so as soon as we can we'll probably go to north wales i have to say i, I um i went to snowden um a couple years ago and this is gonna it's actually a lame story because um <laughs> we were hiking up and um the weather was rolling in it wasn't looking pretty and I, I, I don't know if we hiked the same place you did, but there's um, there's this place you can stop off and get some coffee or tea before you make the final ascent. And because um, it's not obviously it's not Mount Everest or anything like that. But, um, yeah, we didn't we got the coffee and tea and, and didn't finish because it looked like it was going to get too cloudy. And I love views. And I thought, well, what's the point in going up there if I can't get a view? Yeah. What, so you didn't even get on the train and go? Nope. Just made, our, made my way back down. You need to go then. Okay, the, when this is all over and we get to go, you should come and we'll go and do Crib Gok and the the Horseshoe, which is a little bit scrambling, but it's awesome. And there are some phenomenal views. And even if you can't see, even if it's all claggy, just the the rock is awesome. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sam, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I'm so glad you're doing well and um, obviously following all the content you're putting out. Where do you want people to connect with you? LinkedIn, Twitter? Yeah, any or all of the above. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm on, on Twitter, just at Samantha McClary. Um, you can find me quite easily on LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah, and check out EGI as much as you can. We're trying to trying to put out as much content as we we can um, that's free to access. Anything that is coronavirus related is is free to access because that's really, really important. But, uh, you know, we are a subscription service, so we can't give away everything for free. <laughs> Someone, someone's got to, sure. um, someone's got to buy my bikes for me, haven't they? So yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but connect with us on there on, on, um, Twitter and yeah, check out our, our podcasts as, as well as hopefully we've got a few little interesting bits in there. Um, again, thank you for coming on the show. Make sure you go check out Sam and EG online on Twitter and on LinkedIn and, until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. You're listening to a podcast company podcast. This was made by Podcast Syndicator where we help you go from start to grow to making money with your podcast. Let us help you share your message and your voice with the world. Reach out now, Jason at podcastsyndicator.com or Brett at podcastsyndicator.com to find out more. Thank you for listening and do come back to hear nothing but the best podcasts.